Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. For those who I do not know, my name is Nick, and I get the opportunity and the privilege of communicating from time to time here at New Vision, and I am so thankful that you are here. That song takes me back to my teenage years. When I was growing up in Marietta, Georgia, I was going to a church called Roswell Street Baptist Church, and I remember the first time I heard that song, it was a special. Now, for those who know what I'm talking about, you can kind of get away with a little bit more. You can kind of go, ooh, let's do something a little different with the special. And so I remember singing that song and just thinking to myself, I don't know what this is, and this is not what we normally do, but I'd like this a lot. And as Daniel was leading us and he was singing those songs, like singing the words of that song, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. See, I'm very guilty of allowing songs or even scripture sometimes to have an expiration, to have kind of a shelf life. And so I'll put things on the shelf and go, you know what, that was cool, but I need something new. But those words are no less true today than they were years ago when Tim Hughes penned those words for us to sing corporately together. It is so, so strong. And as we got the opportunity to watch some baptisms today, y'all, that never gets old. I have probably seen at this point in my life probably over a thousand baptisms. And there is something about seeing a life that once was dead in sins and now is alive in Christ and raised to walk in this new life. It never, ever gets old. But the problem is, if we're not careful, sometimes as we navigate this holiday season, some of us are just trying to survive it. Some of us are just trying to navigate it and try not to tell our in-laws what we're really thinking about what they said, and we're just trying to do that. Some of us are just looking for the day where it's December 26th, and we have finally navigated through, but Christmas is about this Savior who came to earth to offer us something that nobody else could. And so the gift of Christmas never gets old. And today, we're going to take the opportunity to kind of walk slowly as we navigate into this new year. We're going to walk slowly and still have a little hint of Christmas because what happened on Christmas in a manger has changed our lives forever. Here's some statistics you might not know about Christmas. Most of the people, almost half the people you bought a present for are going to return their present. That's encouraging because some of y'all spent some time and some effort and you go, man, I bought them that bowl. I thought that bowl would change their life. It had a verse on it. I mean, come on. Every time you eat your cereal, you're reminded of the goodness of the king. No, they returned that bad boy, y'all. And almost half of the people you gave a gift to returned it. And here's the deal. Some of y'all right now, we're guilty. You're like, December 26th, let's go take that back to Bed Bath & Beyond. Nobody needs that, right? Yes. Another statistic. Now, this one was probably more staggering to me and hurt my heart a little bit more. Every year, a billion dollars in gift cards go unused. Just take a moment. A billion dollars. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe people are like, I don't even know what a Starbucks is. I'm not going there. I don't know. But the thing of it is, every year, a billion dollars in gift card is given, and people don't do anything with the gift that was given. 
Today, we're going to see the gravity and the beauty of this gift of Christmas. And we're not going to move quickly past it. We're not just going to survive Christmas, but we're going to thrive as we walk through this. We're going to see that this gift that was given to us helps us navigate every single day of our lives. Why? Because the gospel is relevant every single day of your life. No matter what it is you put your hand to do, no matter what it is you're walking through, the gospel is relevant and life-giving in the midst of it. Paul David Tripp says this, I think many of us have a strong belief and understanding in salvation past, the forgiveness we have received in Christ. And many of us have a pretty sturdy hope of salvation future, the eternity we will spend with Christ. But we are not as sure about the present benefits of the work of Jesus in the here and now. I'm afraid that many of us have a big gap in the middle of our understanding of the gospel. One of the beautiful things about the Christmas story is that it doesn't just offer my past forgiveness and future hope, but everything I need right here and right now. And so as we look at a little bit of Luke 2, and as we look at a letter that Paul wrote the church in Thessalonica, we're going to be reminded of the greatness of this gift and how to steward this gift best. And so I invite you to pray with me right where you are. Dear Jesus, thank you. Lord, that just seems like it pales in comparison to what you have truly done, but we say thank you. Lord, may we not lose the majesty and the wonder of the gift that you have given us. Lord, may we not forget, may we not pack away this gift with the Christmas tree, but may we remember every single day that you did something that was audacious and it has changed our life. We haven't just been made better through what you have done, but we have been brought from death to life. And Lord, may we look to that. May that be the lens we look through to navigate this life. Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you would entrust such a gift to the likes of us. And Father, we pray that you will continue to lead us in what it means to be the best steward of this gift you have given us. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, your laptops, whatever it is, you read God's word with it. Maybe you got a new Amazon product and you're testing it out today. Praise God for you. Um, Turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 8. And I know some of us are going, Nick, we've heard this, the shepherds, we get it, let's move on. But I want us to move slowly through this because I still think that God has something for us through this text. And so Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This gift that we got through what God did by showing up in the midst of our broken depraved world. We must realize the bestness of this gift. And some of you are going, Nick, I don't think bestness is a word. I don't care if it is. I just used it though, okay? (laughs) 
Because I couldn't think of a way to fully describe how great of a gift this was. And so sometimes you just make up a word in order to convey how you really feel. We must realize the bestness of this gift. Because I want you to understand something. At the time when Jesus arrived on the scene in the flesh, there was 400 years of silence. That means that people had been waiting to hear a message or a word from God, but he had grown silent. And then, in order to let the world know that he had arrived, he got a multitude of angels to sing praises about him giving himself as a ransom for us all. It was the most audacious act ever. Why was it so audacious? Because we weren't deserving of this gift. But he didn't base the giving of the gift on the receiver. He based it on himself, and he is a good giver of gifts. This gift, when Jesus stepped into this planet and lived among his creation, it changed everything. Why? Because this rescue plan that had started before eternity was now getting even more steam and was going to change the path of so many. This really is the best gift we could ever receive. And these shepherds didn't feel worthy of it. They didn't feel like they deserved it because they didn't. No one is deserving of a gift like this. They realize the bestness of the gift as well. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Heaven affirms the bestness of the gift. A multitude of angels. This is not something that happened all the time. But a multitude of angels was singing and declaring what God had done. This was a heavenly choir singing and proclaiming that this truly is the best gift that you could ever receive, and it was led by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords saying, yes, this is a gift that changes everything for everyone. And guys, this doesn't get old. Like, I get it. A lot of times we get tired at Christmas, we're overwhelmed at Christmas, but this gift that we have received, Jesus himself, Jesus in flesh, has been affirmed by heaven. This is the best gift you have ever received. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. We are the best advertisement for the best gift. Now, for some of us, even when I say that, it causes us to pause for a second. Like, oh, easy there, Nick. I don't know if you really know me. I don't know if you know all the things I've done. I don't think you know all the mistakes I've done. Can I just tell you, I don't have to know all the mistakes you have made. I just know the king and how good the gift is. And the fact that you have been called to be a part of his story and you have been changed by the surrendered life of Jesus on a cross means that if you've accepted that, that you are the best advertisement for the best gift. 
The fact that you have breath in your lungs and that you have been called from death to life, you signed up to advertise for the best gift because it has taken you from death to life. And you might go, but Nick, I don't really feel like I'm the best advertisement. God thinks you are. God chose to use you to paint his picture and put it on display to the world. He chose you. And so the fact that you don't feel about it, I don't really care. Because the truth of the matter is you have been saved, you have been changed, and you now get to glorify the king of kings and display for the world what it means to walk in right relationship with Jesus. And the good news, everybody, is he's put his spirit within you to lead you. He didn't say, oh, go do it by yourself. No, he said, no, no, no. Not only am I going to redeem you, but I'm going to put my spirit within you to lead you and guide you. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and follow where you're led. Because if you do that, you will end up in the exact place that I've attended for you to go. We are the best advertisement for the best gift. All we do is get out of the way and let's display the glory of the king through the way we live our lives. Maybe thinking, but my life doesn't reflect the king. Maybe it should. Maybe it's time for us to stop living in light of who we used to be and now live accordingly to who our identity now is rooted in. Like, listen, you are not just a sinner saved by grace. That's not who you just are, okay? You are a redeemed ambassador of the king. That is a brand new identity, and that's an identity worth walking in. And that's an identity that you have been given. And so our only response is to live in light of that identity. And the good news is you're not trying to be better. You're not trying to be good. You are walking from Christ's finished work, and that is who you are. You are the best advertisement for the best king. Why? Because you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so because of that, we display the picture of the gospel. That's what we get to do. That's what you and I do. Not only are we the best advertisement for the best gift, but the best gift yields the best response. I want you all to watch this video for a second. Listen, listen, I don't know if y'all caught it. At the end he goes, now we can rent a game from Blockbuster. <laughs> Some of y'all in the crowd are like, what's a Blockbuster, y'all? Only if you knew, only, it was like the promised land. And every Friday was a good Friday. Why? It was new release Friday. Come on, I'm telling you. Now we can, get a gift from, now we can go get a game from Blockbuster. And here's what I love about this kid. He is all out excited. How do you know he loves the gift? Because of his response to the gift. It is evident through his response to the gift that he has been given, that he loves the gift. Here's the thing. I remember 
my brother and I growing up, we were always a couple of video game systems behind everybody else. But I remember when we first got the original Nintendo, blessings, y'all, come on. And I remember like getting it and it was like gold. You're like, I don't know what's about to happen, but it's going to change my life forever. And I remember plugging it into the back of the TV, twisting it onto the cable outlet. Yeah, come on. And I remember setting it up. I remember plugging in the electronic gun and the electronic controller, plugging it in. Yes, you used to have to plug those things in, everybody. And I remember putting the game, the brick, into the little slot. And then if it didn't work, you take it back out and you blow on it as hard as you could. <laughs> Come on. Then you put it in the slide and hope that it will work. And if it didn't work, you had one more trick. You just give it a little shake in there like, there we go. There you go. Finally, it came on. And then you saw the title screen. Duck Hunt slash Super Mario Brothers. Double the fun, everybody. Double the fun. And I remember taking that electronic gun in my hand and going, I don't know what's about to happen, but it's going to be glorious. You turn the game on, and you see the dog walk out on the hunting field, and he jumps behind the grass. You're like, oh, puppy, I tried to shoot you, but I'm not. Okay. And then what happens? The ducks start flying, right? And you take that little red pistol, if you had the special one or the gray one, and you shoot. And what happened next was amazing. The duck went, whoa. And what did the puppy do? Yeah. He affirms you. You did it. Now, he also would laugh at you if you missed. Not that that happened to me. But then you would try to shoot the dog, right? I'm telling you, and I remember getting that gift, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I know that my parents don't have a lot of means, but they gave me this gift. I understand the sacrifice that went through to get it. I understand the cost of it. I know that based on this gift that these people, my parents, really love me. And that's what happens with our Heavenly Father, because based on the gift, he displays his love for us. The fact that in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our sin, what did he do? He gave us a gift that cost him everything. It cost him the life of his son, but he gave it freely and willingly to redeem a people such as us. And we know that based on the gift that our Heavenly Father has given us, that we are loved more than we could ever hope or imagine by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because he gave us the greatest gift, himself. He lived a life that we could not live. He paid a price that we could not pay. He overcame the grave, which we could not do in our own strength, and allowed a way where there was no way. It's the best gift ever. It truly is the gift that keeps on giving. And because of that gift, we get to live in response to that gift. And here's the interesting thing. No one has to go, when you receive a great gift, no one has to be like, hey, make sure you respond well. No, it just comes out of you. Why? Because you're so overwhelmed by the goodness of the gift that you can't help but tell people. You can't help but display it. You can't help but to, like, listen, I'm telling you, this gift has changed everything. I mean, think about it. When you experience something awesome, you can't help but tell people. My wife and I, last year for our anniversary, went to a restaurant called Husk in Nashville. I'm telling y'all what, the food was so good, I wanted to slap somebody. <laughs> but I remember I'm a pastor, and that might not go over well, right? 
But I'm telling you, and every time after that point, someone would say, hey, I'll have spaghetti for dinner. I would go, hey, you know what has good dinner? Husk. Everybody who would listen, I was telling them about the greatness of this place. Why? Because it impacted me. Why? Because it was so good. How good is the gift we have received called the gospel? That we get to display that and tell everyone about that. The only fitting response to this gospel, to this Christmas story, is to live our lives in response to it. Not trying to earn it because we cannot earn a free gift, but living in response to such an audacious gift. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, here is how we steward this gift best. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. The way that we live as great stewards and the best stewards of the best gift is this, to actively look to the gift for direction. What do I mean by that? I mean that in order to know the direction we're called to go, keep your eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. Be reminded of the price that was paid on your behalf and respond and live differently in light of it. See, the Christian life is not about being good. Let me say that again. Some of you are like, what? No, no, no. The Christian life is not about being good. It's about responding to the goodness of a king that loved you in spite of yourself. That while yet you were still a sinner, he surrendered his son's life for you so that you could be a part of his story forever and ever. It is not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about responding to the goodness of a king. And you do that with your life. So you look to the gift. You look to Jesus and allow that to give you direction for your life. You take your cue from Jesus. The way he lived, the way he loved, we get to do it the same exact way. And every day we fix our eyes on this good, good gift that changed everything for us. We're reminded to look at the gift for direction. That's why we see Moses say, hey, don't forget about these things. Don't forget about God. Don't forget about what he has done. And Jesus so often said, remember this, remember this, remember this. Don't put the gift of the Christmas story away and forget about it, y'all. Let it direct your path every single day. And you fix your eyes on the king and you respond. And you fix your eyes on the king and you respond. See, sometimes the problem is we fix our eyes on other people and then we respond. Well, they live this way or they do it this way. I have some good news and some bad news for you. Your standard is not other people. Your standard is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I love that and I also don't like that. Why? Because I don't have an excuse to not live in response to this good king. See, sometimes I can let myself off the hook and be like, well, I don't have to love my wife as well because she hadn't loved me as well. My example is not my wife. My example is the gift that I've been given. That's the gift of Jesus. And his example says, while yet I was still a sinner, he surrendered his life for me. So he wasn't willing to take the easy way out and love me based on me. He loved me based on himself. And that's a different, audacious, crazy kind of love. But that's the kind of love I've been called and been invited to love other people with. 
It changes the way we live day in and day out. We fix our eyes on the king, and then we fix our eyes on the king, and we respond and live accordingly. Verse 4. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects the instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. We are called to handle this gift with care. What does that mean? That means that because we recognize the gift that we've been given, as it says in Scripture, we carry it around in jars of clay because it is precious to us. We carry around this gift because it is precious to us. We look to the gift, and we handle this gift with care. Why? Because we have been made holy through it. Hear me. So often, we live our lives like we are in the pursuit of holiness. But as I read the context of Scripture, I see that I have been made holy through Christ, so it's a position that I walk from, not just towards. Let me explain it this way. I have been made holy. And so really what my life is, is living in light of my identity. My identity has been made holy because of Christ, and I live according to my holiness. You have been made holy. You have been made set apart. The problem we have is we are catching up to our identity. We're not quite there. We go, well, I'm just trying. I'm struggling. Listen, listen, everybody. What if today... You just said yes to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit. Today, Jesus, I will love my spouse well, not because of them, but because of you. Today, I will be patient with my children, not because they are deserving and they go through the house turning off lights trying to save me money, but because you have been patient with me. What if the lens in which we viewed this life was covered in the gospel? How would we live differently. When we live in light of our holiness and in light of what the king has done, we will handle the gift with care because you have been set apart. That's the calling. That's the invitation. That is who you are if you have said yes to walk in right relationship with Jesus. You are holy and you get to live in light of that. Verse 9. Now about your love for one another. We do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. See, the temptation for us when we say live a quiet life, we think, oh, we should just keep to ourselves. We shouldn't talk much. We shouldn't disrupt the world around us. What Paul is actually writing to people, he says, live a life that's not all about you. It's not a life that's speaking of how good you are and how great you are, but it's a life that recognizes what Jesus has done, and you always give credit where credit is due. Anything good about me comes from the king. 
And so we get the opportunity to live our lives in such a way where we go, listen, the reason I love my wife well is because I've been loved well by my Savior. The reason I'm patient with my kids is because my Savior has been patient with me. We live a life that points the finger to Jesus, and we reflect the king not just in deed but also with our words. And you might be thinking, oh, but Nick, I mean, I don't really know a lot of scripture, but you have a story. There was a moment where you were dead in your sins and Christ made you alive because of his payment on a cross. You can tell that. And some of us go, well, I just want people to know I'm a Christian just by the way I live. Listen, that's part of it, but I feel that that's incomplete. Yes, you should live in response to the king, but it also says in Scripture you should give a reason for the hope that is within you. And the way you give reason for the hope is you got to tell somebody. And then we go, but who would I tell? I'm, I'm going to tell you something very simple. This might blow your mind. Tell the people in which you have been planted around. What do I mean by that? Your neighbors. You know, the people you try to close your garage door quickly and not talk to? You might, but I think that's an accident. God, don't make no mistakes, everybody. But I don't like him. It gives you a perfect opportunity to display the gospel in the way you have been displayed the gospel. Your coworker who you don't like, who talks about everybody. Well, maybe you get an opportunity to not talk about everybody and to love them in spite of themselves. What? Who else? Your family. Yes. Those people who you spent more time than you wanted to this weekend. Yes, those people. But, Nick, you don't know my mom. I don't have to know your mom. I know she was created in the image of a living God, and you were called to love her in spite of herself. But, Nick, that's not fair. It also wasn't fair that Jesus gave his life for you, even though he did nothing. Give me another excuse. And here's the deal, everybody. This is what I have to preach to myself. I have to be reminded of the gift and be reminded of what Jesus has done for me because in my flesh, I am tempted to close my garage door quickly so I don't have to engage with you. I am quick to stay in my own world and do my own thing and not engage people with the gospel. In my own flesh, I am tempted to dwindle the gospel down to 35 minutes that I spent on the stage talking about it. But I have not been called to display the gospel just when I'm on a stage, but in my everyday life. When my kids aren't listening and I want to trip them. When my wife is not treating me with the respect that I want her to treat me with. Those are the times where I am called to display the gospel. Is it easy? No, but here's the good news. You have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You don't do this alone. What I love about the call of God is he invites us to be our participant at building his kingdom. And he put his very spirit within us to do so. So we get to share the gift often and with everyone. We get the opportunity to love people in an audacious way. Why? It always goes back to the gift because we have been displayed, we have seen displayed an audacious love of a Savior who didn't count our wrongdoings against us but paid the price in spite of us. It's so good. This is good news. This is news that never gets old. This is news that every day from here on out is good to the soul. We get the opportunity to share the gift often and with everyone. The question is this, are you willing to do so? 
Are you willing to steward the gift that we've all been given? Are you willing to steward that not just good or great? Are you willing to steward that best? I was uh, driving from Atlanta visiting my parents a few days ago. And I was driving through Chattanooga, which always puts me in a bad mood. Gives me an opportunity to pray for people and myself. It's part of my sanctification. And after you drive through Chattanooga, you go through South Pittsburgh, and then you get to go through Mount Eagle, right? And I've driven through Mount Eagle a lot of times, and I think it's cool. Sometimes when it's cold, you can see the ice kind of coming off the rocks and the mountain, and it's pretty cool. But it had been raining earlier, and I noticed something that just kind of took me back, and God just kind of used it in a way. See, the rain, once it came down off the mountain, once it came off of its journey, which probably had many turns and unexpected obstacles. But once it got to the edge of the mountain, it experienced freedom. It was free to go. And what I loved watching about this rain coming down off this journey of a mountain is it just burst forth. It came out of that rock with vigor, with excitement, and it was truly amazing, and I had to focus on the road because I was in awe of it. Because in that moment, it's like the Lord whispered this to me, Nick, you see this, this water? I didn't have to tell it to burst forth. I didn't have to say, hey, you now have freedom, so you are free to go, and you are free to get off of this mountain, and you are free to burst forth. And the same was true of these shepherds. They saw the glory of God. You know what they did? They worshiped and they glorified him. Why? Because they had tasted freedom. And we, who are living in this world in 2018, yes, there are many twists and bends on this journey. And yes, there are hard times. And yes, there are obstacles that we didn't expect. But we have been invited to taste of freedom. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone taste freedom for the first time, but you don't have to tell them how to embrace it. What do they do? They burst forth with excitement and zeal. Why? Because they've been given a gift that they have never gotten before and they can't help themselves. What if that was the story of us? A bunch of people on a journey who've tasted freedom and are bursting forth because of the freedom that has been granted. And we can't help ourselves because the gift has been that good. Paul David Tripp says this, and we'll close with this. Jesus came so that I would have everything I need to fight the discouraging battle with private sin. Jesus came so that I would have everything I need to have a peaceful relationship with my angry neighbor. Jesus came so that I could stand against the temptations of racism and prejudice. Jesus came so that I could forge with my spouse a marriage of unity, understanding, and love. Jesus came so that I could parent my children with patient wisdom and grace. Jesus came so that I could face the realities of life in a fallen world without doubt or despair. Jesus came so that I would be granted not only the promise of daily forgiveness, but also the promise of fresh starts and new beginnings. Jesus came so that the hate in my heart would be replaced with love and the anger in my heart would be replaced with peace. 
We have been invited to steward this gift of Jesus in the best way. By responding to the gospel with our lives. Offer your lives as a willing sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship. We have been given life, and so we lay ours down. It is the best gift, and so we steward that best. I invite you to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that maybe for someone in this moment for the first time, they need to accept the gift of you, of your completed work with your perfect life, of you overcoming the grave that you surrendered your life so that we may have a life. Maybe today is the day where we say yes to that gift for the first time. And maybe someone is sitting there right here in this moment and goes, but I don't understand it all. Nobody does, but in the best way you know how in this moment, you can say yes to the gift. And in as simple as saying, Jesus, I accept that you lived a perfect life that I couldn't live. I know you paid a price that I couldn't pay. And I know that you completed the work by overcoming the grave. So I accept that gift. Father, you say in the pages of your scripture and your text that if we Say that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So, Father, may some today say yes to you. Maybe, Father, we're sitting here and this Christmas story has grown stale and old. And this moment where you remind us that the best gift never gets stale and it never gets old because it's life-giving. And we get to fix our eyes on you again and again the author and perfecter of our faith. And may us, fixing our eyes on you, Jesus, allow us and lead us to navigate this life differently, not like our old self, but walking in accordance with our new identity and being set apart. Jesus, we don't deserve this gift. Thank you that you didn't base your giving of the gift on me, but you based it on your nature and who you are. And Father, may we live our lives responding to the goodness of a king. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.